Hello everybody, my name is Stephanie Jansen. I am the founder and editor-in-chief at Navigator, a free, fun and informative space providing practical advice to help burgeoning female professionals thrive in the Australian workforce. Today is the very first episode of the podcast titled Woman of Now. In this podcast, we sit down with a young Australian female each month to chat about professional navigation. This month's podcast features Phoebe Blank, an engaging, intelligent and proactive Melbourne-based lawyer. When you meet Phoebe Blank for the first time, you'd struggle not to be instantaneously drawn to her. She has serious presence. Phoebe is a force. She brings her energy, empathy and positivity to the table, regardless of the setting. You gain an immediate sense of authenticity from her, which cultivates a level of unspoken trust. Phoebe is an employment senior associate in Melbourne, is currently studying her Masters of Employment at Melbourne University, and has just finished her tenure as Young Lawyers President at the Law Institute of Victoria. In her spare time, she likes to hit the pavement for a run, especially with the LIV Run Club each Monday. She actually is the proud co-founder of the group and you can join her at the LIV on Burke Street at 6pm every week. She is also a strong proponent of mental health and wellbeing awareness in the legal industry. Without further ado, here is the podcast. Enjoy. So Phoebe, if you could briefly introduce yourself, name, age, yeah. anything else you want to say. So I'm Phoebe Blank. I'm 28 um, and I'm a workplace relations lawyer at Trescox, which will cease to exist on Friday. Ah, oh my goodness. <laughs> so where are you going after that? So we're going to a firm called Kennedy's, which is an international firm based out of uh, London, but they've got offices all over the world. So, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Yep. Okay, so Phoebe, some personal questions yep. for you. Sure. So, when you were little, what did you want to be when you grow up? I, this is really lame, but I always wanted to be a lawyer. And I think I always wanted to be a lawyer because um, I loved uh, the American TV show. So, I loved like Law and Order, which is <laughs> a really lame thing to say. But um, yeah, I liked that. Or I wanted to be a professional netballer. Like, what kid didn't want to be a professional sports player? <laughs> Amazing. Do you still play? No, I uh, had a couple of knee reconstructions. So, oh. that's why I've switched to running because netball's just Fair enough. Mm. Okay, so what is something that you've found interesting lately? And that can be something that either you're working on, something in the news, or something in your personal life. Um, I think um, I want to I want to talk about the merger, but I don't know if I, if this is too saturated in the merger. But right. what I found interesting is. Um, the way people are treated um, yes. in terms of when a merger takes over. Yes. Uh, I mean, and I say merger, but it is really kind of a takeover. Um, so uh, particularly young lawyers, how they're treated, um, and it's given me a real sense of understanding about how you need to stay on top of your game all the time because you just never know what's going to happen with work. Mm. Um, so I, I think for me... It's been very interesting to see. And that's happened in the last four weeks. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the way people are, are treated and uh, it's almost like collateral damage. So Right. And mm. when you say the way that people are treated, what are some examples of that? I suppose um, the um, wrong, the information that they're told. So, for example, you've got, you know, X amount of time to sign a contract when right. um, that's not true and you know we don't have any laws of slavery you don't have to go work somewhere if you don't want to work somewhere mm. uh so it's um interesting that the pressure that can be applied in situations where um people don't understand the situation necessarily so i just think uh yeah it, it, particularly in this profession i would have thought um there's more information given to young lawyers so that young lawyers can make an informed decision rather than this is it. Yeah, yeah. right. It's very kind of taking advantage and very transactional in a way. Yeah, it is yeah. transactional. Yeah, that's yeah. a really um, that's a really good word to use for it. It's um, just a number. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Phoebe, what is your personal mantra? Difficult question. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
My personal mantra is um, I actually really like, and what I've been thinking about um, recently is um, a couple of different sayings, but one of them is um, a Winston Churchill saying, right? Which is, uh, uh, I suppose, topical because <laughs> Darkest Hour is that, which is Winston Churchill's story. Anyway, love it. Um, <laughs> and he said, um, success is the ability to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. And I think that's um, a really good way of looking at life because you're not always going to, um, you know, uh, win or be successful. And I think if you keep an attitude and if you keep your enthusiasm, then, um, you know, that is success and, and you'll just go from strength to strength. Mm, that's yeah. a wonderful mantra. Yeah. It's a good I, attitude. Yeah, it's all about um, attitude and uh, particularly like you see it with clients um, when they're really beaten and I think that's when they come to a lawyer because they're like, I just don't know what else to do yeah. and my enthusiasm's gone and I don't know and, and our job is really to inject that enthusiasm back in and say, nah, these are your rights, this is what we can do. So, um, yeah, you're going to be okay kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really unique perspective. I don't think that all lawyers see their role that way. I yeah. think they see themselves more as advisors rather than um, maybe consoling the client or yeah. even increasing yeah. their enthusiasm or giving them a more positive outlook. So I think that's yeah. really a very valuable little tip yeah, there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what sets um, lawyers apart as well. Um, our job is, of course, to advise, but a good lawyer will not only advise but um, think about how this is going to affect the person's life and how they're going to live their life. So injecting that enthusiasm and kind of confidence that it's going to be okay and it's going to be okay because... This is, this is the outcome, this is what's going to happen and there's a range of things that might happen and you've got to be okay with each one of those things, you know. Mm. So mm. Wonderful. Yeah. Great. Okay, next question. What is your relationship like with social media? I <laughs> love social media. Um, as you know, I'm a big LinkedIn fan. Yes, um, yes. I think LinkedIn is such a good tool. Um, I think it's a good tool if you know how to use it um, to your advantage and obviously just posting what you're doing and if you're getting out there and going to events, um, letting kind of the professional world, what you're doing, where you are, um, writing, it's also really cool to write articles and you can write, you know, two paragraphs mm. um, and then that goes out and um, you can kind of, it's like your CV to the profession. So I think it gives you a lot of credibility. That LinkedIn's what I love. Other social media things like um, Facebook and uh, Instagram, yep. and et cetera, et cetera. Snapchat. Uh, Snapchat, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I've got to be honest. I'm not into Snapchat only yeah, because... Controversy. I know. I'm just like... I just um, don't like too much of your personal life going out there to everybody. And mm. you never know, like, who stores it and... Etc. Etc. So, um, I like to keep thing personal life personal right. and professional life um, public, sort of a thing. So this is what you're doing in work. This is um, you know where you're going, what you're doing, who you're meeting, where you're speaking, etc. Um, if I'm presenting a seminar, this is what I'm doing. This is what it's about, etc. Um, but I guess your personal life, um, because that can be more harshly judged, obviously, than your professional life. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I think always keep Facebook on private mm. and change your name. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> change, change your name to your People, name. you can't yeah. find Phoebe on Facebook. <laughs> that's right. She's got some obscure name. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I think that that's a really good piece of advice because I know you've helped me a lot with LinkedIn and yeah. really encouraged me to, to be better at LinkedIn. Yeah. And it's all about building that personal brand, I think. It's, is That's what you're touching on. Absolutely. It's your brand, which is so important. And um, that's something that... Um, I've had a few mentors tell me in my um, career that your your personal brand is um, the most important thing. So um, LinkedIn is that ability to develop your personal brand. And you'll see um, people from HR will start to like your posts and mm. it, it just opens up opportunities. And I get contacted all the time on LinkedIn for um, job opportunities. And yeah. So it can be really um, powerful. If you're doing it right, then people will be, um, you know, all over it kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, wonderful, great advice. Yeah. What is your personal definition of success? Mm, well, that probably ties in with my mantra, which is um, 
to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. But right. um, I suppose success for me uh, is defined um, in year blocks. So, you okay. know, you could define it days, weeks, months, etc. But I like to look at, like, the year um, that has just proceeded. So, you know, John Lennon's song, Says This Christmas and What Have You Done? Mm. I love that song. Mm. And I love looking back and, think, and looking at... Um, what I've done in the year and have this big calendar on my wall, which is a year calendar. So yeah. I can see each month what I've done and, um, you know, the highlights. If I've, um, yeah, presented a, um, a seminar or if I've finished a subject with my master's or if I've I completed a thesis last year. So for me, success is looking back um, and looking at all the goals that you've achieved. And mm-hmm. I think, first of all, setting those goals mm-hmm. and then being able to say, yep, I did that, I did that. Like I said to myself at the start of the year, I was going to do X, Y, and Z, and, I, and I've done that. So smashed it. Yeah, I think that's success because it keeps you accountable to your own life as well. Otherwise, I think it's really easy just to flip from year to year, um, you know, say to yourself, you know, I want to, um, I want to, you know, start my master's but then a whole year passes and you don't start it whereas mm. um, if you set a goal and then um, you look back and you've achieved it fills you with you know that um, I guess zest to keep going yeah and you've touched on two I think really important things there is one writing it down yeah there's been a lot of studies that have been done about achieving your goals and the correlation between writing it down and yeah. actually uh, achieving it yes. versus those who don't. And secondly, the visualisation. I think a lot of us tend to kind of use maybe Google calendars. I know that yeah. I am a big Google calendar kind of person, yeah. but you don't get that kind of whole year overview. And I kind of yeah. know some people that they'll make this big, beautiful either calendar like yourself or an Excel spreadsheet and they'll block out their holidays for the year yeah. and they're all colour-coded and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then you can engage in that yeah. reflection process and go, you know, I achieved X, Y, Z and I absolutely yeah. smashed it. And it's yeah. a really easy, accessible yeah. way. Yeah. But it also motivates you to see it yeah. as well along the journey, not exactly. just at the end. Exactly. So. And I think you made a really good point just then. It's about um, working out when that downtime will be as well for you. So, mm. yeah, exactly. I block out my holidays. So I know, um, you know, these two months are going to be really full on because I've got a lot of things due and there's maybe a trial in that month, etc. But I've got a holiday for a week or two or wherever it is in this month. So it also, I think, helps with kind of your mental health. Motivation as well. Yeah, and to be able to plan out um, when your breaks are going to be, mm. when you're going to work hard, um, you know. So I think yeah. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. If you could change one thing in society here and now, what would it be mm. and why? What a deep question. Um, Sorry, putting no. on the spot. Okay. <laughs> uh, what I would change is, um, and I'll obviously um, link it to uh, something in, in the law. Um, I think I would change, um, and there's obviously a lot of issues, mm. but one thing that um, has been a project of mine actually um at the last half of last year sure. were, was um, unpaid internships. Oh, yes. So I've done that. Yeah, I've and done it. Yeah, and I have as well. And I think um, I think it's a really important – and part of this project that we were doing was drafting some policy. So I drafted some policy for the LIV, which yeah. you'll, you'll see it will come out. Um, for those listening and don't know what the LIV is. Oh, yeah, the Law Institute of Victoria. Wonderful. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't use acronyms. <laughs> um, but unpaid internships is a real – um, tricky problem to have um, and a tricky issue, I think, because on one hand, absolutely you need to do it um, mm. and I think it's almost like a rite of passage. 100%. But the problem we have and what I think we need to change is this idea that you work for free. You know, we don't, we're not condoning exploitation and um, I don't think, and we've had heard horror stories of people who have worked um you know, for six months or a year and they've been doing two days at a law firm. That's exactly what I did And they've six been months. doing Absolutely. And they've been doing, um, you know, solid work. So they've been doing productive work. So things like photocopying, answering um, phones, filing, um, court, court, um, going to court and filing, um, yep. paper filing for other solicitors. So they've been doing jobs that um, that firm would have had to engage someone and pay someone to do. 100%. But because the market's so competitive and because everybody needs a foot in the door, um, yeah. it's sort of, 
these particular, and it's not every firm, but there are certain firms who take advantage of it. So yes. um, an issue and what we need to change is the way and the culture of firms so that it's not, and I think a lot of, uh, and I'll say older practitioners because I think there is a real, um, I think there's a shift in the legal profession that um, older practitioners might have had to do it really, really hard. Mm. And some of them then project that onto their younger practitioners, right. you know, in the sense of when I, you know, when I was starting out, I, I got paid, you know, 10000 or whatever it may be, you know. So they've got these horror stories that then they project onto the younger generation rather than, um, you know, I was treated really badly, so I'm not going to perpetuate that and I'm going to look after you. Mm. I think that's a real issue. So um, unpaid internships and changing the culture and the way that firms treat um young lawyers or even um, young people starting out in their career in law. So you might be doing, and it's um, usual that you do your unpaid internship if you do one during um, your uni years. Yes, yes. So because, you know, you, you go for clerk jobs and or you go... Um, you want to start building that reputation. Early. Yeah, yeah. And you want to go and say, look, I know what it's like to work in an office. I did it here um, and I know um, that I like... Um, been in an office and or you know I know that it's not because um, I think it's important to do it in an in internship or at least get some insight into a practice to know that it's a lot of sitting down it's a lot of drafting it's paperwork it's reading um, it's not so much uh, you know running around to court with their last piece of evidence and solving like suits yeah like suits like it's not <laughs> you know so um, I think that's important for people to do but I also think it's a huge issue that um there are a lot of, you know, grads as a lot of law students and so there's yes. a lot of opportunity for firms to exploit that and have people work um, for free for six months, a year, two years, four years, five years, um, mm. you know, and with no, with kind of a carrot of, oh, you might get a job here but you might not. Yes, um, yes. So or we I, might pay you if you perform well. Exactly, yeah. And what does that even mean? Yeah, yeah. and, and um, it's, uh, first of all, you know, the, the legislation um, talks about when... Uh, it's called vocational placement is okay and that's when you're doing things like um, Leo Cousin, you've got to do uh, a certain amount of days in a firm and yeah. and that's okay not to be paid but that's usually, I think, I don't know if it's um, 30 or 60 or whatever the amount of time is, mm. but that's sort of a specified period and then anything after that um, would need to be looked at whether or not that's paid work or mm. unpaid work. So I think that's a really big issue that... Um, perhaps comes with a bit of culture change as well. Yeah, yeah. there's maybe a bit more governance as well. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And part of, that's right. And part of um, our policy will be to provide fact sheets for employers and for employees so that if an, or an intern thinks that they're being exploited, they can sort of point to something that's been endorsed and mm. um, say that that's not okay. Yeah. yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're in that kind of situation, there are a bunch of resources available. Yeah, that's right. Um, so... I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. So if you're, um, yeah, if something's happening at work um, in the legal profession, you can call the Law Institute mm -hmm. um, of Victoria and they can um, uh, direct you. They've actually got an EAP, an Employee Assistance Program, if you're an LAB uh, member and anyone who's a law student will be a member. So they can call that and ask for some help. Or you can contact the Fair Work Ombudsman if yep. you think that you should be getting paid and then they might be able to assist you as well. Um, or Job Watch. Yeah, is Job also, Watch is wonderful. Yeah, Job yeah. Watch is also a free service that you can call on a Wednesday night and get some advice. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. Great, yeah. great. What personal goal are you currently pursuing? Uh, for me, I would like to do the Law Institute accreditation this year oh, in workplace relations. Yeah, yes. great. So that's a... Um, Super tough exam. Uh, is it? Yeah, I think 50% fail. So maybe Ooh. I shouldn't say publicly that I want to do it because they might fail. No, <laughs> I will work hard. So, yeah, that's a personal goal for me. Um, Good luck. Yeah, I hope it's, yeah, it's going to be hard. But I think the process of studying for it is um, is really valuable So because it's such an in-depth level of study. Mm. Yeah. Look, that many people sit the bar exam and fail. So yeah, that's you know, right. Yeah, yeah. I take some. I know some people that have sat it multiple times yeah. before they've gotten through. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. And again, I mean, failure—that's my mantra. It doesn't matter if I fail, because as long as I keep that enthusiasm and uh, you know, go for it. Maybe in the next time it runs. So yeah. yeah, wonderful. What is a book that impacted you and why? Oh, you know what I did love. Um, 
Justice Kirby's um, autobiography. Yeah. That was really um, good. And it, it impacted me because uh, it opened up and it gave insight into his life because obviously he was homosexual living at a time when it wasn't really okay. Mm, especially um, in the law as well. Absolutely. Very yeah. And, um, and from his book, it almost looked like that made him work even harder because mm. he had to like he didn't want to go out with his friends because he didn't have much joy in that so he just stayed home and he studied and he talks about his relationship with um, people around him and obviously he's um, a very intelligent human and um, anyone through law school would would love his descents and and all yeah of that. He's so, there's a lot of Kirby memes yeah everyone <laughs> loves Kirby so but I really what I really liked I, I really like when um, people who are inspirational have um, struggled because mm-hmm. sort of makes it really relatable and, um, you, you know, he's this great man but he had a lot of uh, difficulty through his career and through his life mm. on sort of a personal level and um, he talks about as well sort of that tension on the high court with the other um, judges because, of course, he was going against everybody's Yes, not easy. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, I think that impacted me in terms of um, that's probably a better example of, of something that impacted me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Michael Kirby, I've had the pleasure of actually meeting him. Yeah, and he's lovely, and he he's very funny because he loves to take photos everywhere yes. he goes. Yeah, 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 and I think in that book he's got a lot of pictures. Yes, because he just loves to take photos. And, yeah. and when when I met him, he just you know wanted photos with everybody. And yeah, he's got this. He's got a very gentle nature. He's yeah. he's really an amazing man. So yeah. for anyone listening, it's well worth a read, even if you're not in the law. It's he's a very um, amazing character and will be a, an amazing historical figure, I think. In yeah, Australia, I so. think so. Yeah, and yeah. it just goes to show um, uh, going against the grain is really important as well. Like going, going with what you believe in, and that's kind of what he did his whole mm. life. Mm. Yeah, whether he was liked for it or hated for it. That's it, and yeah. he's, he's a wonderful advocate for human rights as well. Absolutely, now. fantastic. Yeah. He's done so much. Yeah, yeah. and he's still travelling. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like when I met him a couple of years ago, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to Washington next week." Yeah, you know, I'm thinking, "Gosh, this was me." Yeah, <laughs> I'd be at home. I'd be in the Maldives. Like, yeah, exactly. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, what is something that not many people know about you, Phoebe? Mm, well, I'm an open book. Um. What's something people don't know about me? I um, I have a dog and yeah. uh, she is my best friend um, and she's a bull mastiff and she's about 45 kilos. Whoa. So, yeah, I love my dog. Maybe that's something that people don't. Otherwise, I mean, I don't really, um, I don't have any hidden talents or anything like that or okay. I don't do anything interesting. I just run with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> What's your dog's name? Lila. Lila. Lovely. Mm, yeah. Gorgeous. What is your ultimate life hack? Hmm. Ultimate life hack. Like what's something that makes your life easy on a day-to-day basis? Oh, um, this, do you know what? Having a good mentor, like having, yeah. having a good mentor slash um, sponsor. And I sort of didn't really realise what a sponsor was until I kind of realised that I had one. Okay, give us a scoop. A sponsor is somebody – so a mentor is someone that you, like, touch base with and you're like, this is what I'm doing, what do you think, etc. And they're like, yeah, cool, that's all sweet. Or uh, maybe try this or they give you kind of a little bit of advice. But a sponsor is somebody who um, puts you forward for things and believes in you and um, – kind of encourages you to go for things that you wouldn't have even thought you would have gone for. Right. So I'm lucky the partner I work for is very much, uh, I would say, a sponsor and that makes uh, my life easy. So a hack would be to find yourself a sponsor. Somebody who um, cares about your success and somebody, but not just your um, career success, your personal success as well. And I'm lucky that... There's a real acknowledgement of um, work-life balance and that you've got to professionally develop but also personally develop. And that might mean, um, you know, go and study your master's because that will be also a professional but personal development or, um, you know, apply for um, an internship 
somewhere because that'll be really good for how you see the, the world and it'll give you insight into things. Mm-hmm. So I think a sponsor is a good life hack if you can, and they're hard to find. Yes, they are. But yes. uh, if you can find someone or someone who just says, look, um, there's opportunities on this committee to join or this board of um, people or whatever it may be um, and you go for it and it really, and then that opens up doors for you as well. Mm. So somebody who, um, yeah, uh, that honestly has ma- makes life so much easier Um because, you know, it's hard to know what all the opportunities are out there in the world and particularly uh, a lawyer starting off in their career. I mean, for me personally, I didn't know, you know, what what to get involved in, what not to get involved in, um, what yeah. there was to get involved in. Yeah. Like I didn't even really know the organisations available. Um, at uni, um, they talk a lot about community legal centres, so I knew that you could volunteer at a community legal centre. Yeah. But I kind of didn't realise all the other things you could get get involved in. Oh, and right. So, yeah, a sponsor is really important. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think if we link back to your discussion on LinkedIn, yeah. that might be a good platform for people listening if they want to get a sponsor. Yeah, But trying to find people that are in the same field as them yeah. and initiating coffee catch-ups. Absolutely. Great yeah. way to, to make it happen. If yeah. you don't have anyone in your immediate circle, That's right. um, you can go and seek people out. And it's amazing, actually, how open people are to that yeah. kind of thing. I think... As a younger person, you get really anxious and think, oh, my gosh, no, I can't reach yeah, out to that person. But you yeah, can. Yep. The worst thing that's going to happen is they don't reply and yep. you've lost nothing. Absolutely, yeah. That's... You've lost a couple of minutes of your life. Yeah. Um, and if they say yes, I mean, that's totally worth the investment. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a good starting point. Yeah. Or getting involved, like you said, if you can get involved in um, community legal centres or in committees or, you know, more broadly, any kind of regulatory body for whatever career you're in. If yeah, you can exactly. get involved or even clubs and societies at uni, it's a great way to meet people and yeah. a great way to meet uh, employers and people that might be able to be that sponsor yeah, for you. Exactly. Mm. That's such an um, important point that you just made about um, having the confidence to reach out. And mm. you're so right. People, um, people don't think less of you for reaching out. So... Um, there's no need to be embarrassed or worried or, or anything like that if you ask someone to and I think you'll find if you if you ask someone for a coffee nine out of ten times they will say yes like unless Absolutely. they're flat out busy and unless they've got a different reason the reason won't be no I just don't want to have a coffee with you it might be I'm so flat out and busy or um, you know I'm not in Melbourne or in the state anymore, whatever the case may be. But, Mm. yeah, exactly. Have that confidence to reach out. Yeah, and I think it's important to also remember that it's not personal if they don't want to catch up with you. It's just a matter of circumstances and just keep it professional. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, again, you've not lost anything. And you've really got to be the driver. If you want want opportunities, you have to drive the boat or the car or whatever analogy you want. So if you want a sponsor or you want a mentor, you've got to chase it. Yeah. So I think that's really important. Phoebe, can you describe a time that was challenging for you mm-hmm. and subsequently how did you navigate that time? Yeah, well, a few times um, have been challenging just in the last uh, eight months really mm-hmm. and those times have been um, when I made the decision to follow the partner that I'm currently working with now from McKean Park to Trescox. Yes, yes. Um, that was challenging because of the time, time frame and also um, because of um, the situation of leaving that particular firm and whether or not that was the right decision to, to follow the partner. And it was because the partner is, is someone I, I really enjoy working with. Mm. Um, but that was, that was quite challenging uh, to deal with um, how the firm was handling that. And then subsequently, mm. of course... Uh, which I've spoken about earlier, yes, uh, is yes. the merger. So, yes. um, and that was quite challenging because um, I, I think I've said this already, but um, again, it's a, it was a time pressure. Um, yes, yes. And then it was sort of there's this there's no decision. This is just what you're going to have to do. So finding and the way that I navigated, I suppose, through those both of those two times were to consider what my options were mm. and I think not to get trapped in um, a mindset that I didn't have any options. I mm. mean, I could have – there was multiple options I could have taken. Yes. Um, and 
I sort of looked at the pros and cons of each one of those mm. and what was going to be better overall for my career and mm. um, what pathway would set me up for ultimately where I want to, what I want to do in the future. So, mm. um, yeah, they were difficult um, uh, because, of course, you never know if you're making the right decision and right. there's a lot of what-if moments and, oh, but if I go here, these opportunities are there. So um, I suppose there's no there's no real bad decision Um but there's obviously decisions that are better than others and that will open different doors. So, right. yeah, it's quite difficult to know what the right answer is. The great unknown yeah, can be a bit scary. that's right, yeah. And how did you kind of look after yourself during that time? Yeah, it was quite, um, it was quite stressful. I actually um, have just last week gone away yes. for the week and I just had the whole week off uh, as leave and I just went to the beach and I did nothing. And I think... Um, Taking that time out for yourself was really important because I could feel myself um, getting quite stressed because you're constantly thinking about it and totally. and you're constantly talking about it and everybody in the office is talking about it. So there's no relief. And then you go home and um, your family and friends are asking, well, what's happening? And so you're talking about it again and you're relaying the same conversation. And I think you can get trapped inside your own head of how um, bad the situation might be or how um, stressful it is. So it's really important to, to look after your mental health and to take some time, step back from it, I mm. think. And and I just feel so much better now. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And you're quite a big advocate of mental health as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's really important to for particularly young, um, I think everyone, but young lawyers um, especially because, um, as I said, there's so many things you don't know. And I think that in itself is stressful that you just don't know um, – what, how you should be treated or what your rights are necessarily or what you should do, what the next step should be or um, when you should move on from a job, when you should look for other opportunities, when mm. you should say yes to opportunities. So um, I think that can be really overwhelming um, for young lawyers because this essentially sets up your career. Yes. Um, yes. And, of course, you want to be careful about that and make sure that you're, you're making all the right steps. Um, yeah. Mm, mm, wonderful. So looking back on this recent experience, what do you think you've learnt? Um, I think I've learnt um, to back my own decisions a bit mm. more um, and not to be so um, self-doubting and, and yeah. you know, double thinking what I what I think is the right thing to do and um, just to make a decision and then to be committed to that decision. Whereas previously, um, with the first move from McKean to Trescott's, I was constantly thinking, is it right, is it wrong, etc. And then with the, the merge from um, Trescott's to HWL, I knew that I didn't want to go there. So um, Kennedy's, um, and there was other options that I could have gone to, but um, now I'm really comfortable in my decision for Kennedy's. And I think just um, being confident in that decision, not thinking... Um, oh, what if I had taken that opportunity or what if I had done that or, yeah. The what ifs. Yeah, the what ifs really get you. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you think that it's a bit of a grass is always greener as well. Yes. You know, like, oh, if I had taken this particular role, I would have been doing this and this would have been amazing. But, you know, it's just as likely that I'd be sitting in a different role thinking, oh, no, like I've missed a really good opportunity here, etc. So, yeah, I think just backing yourself and your decisions and knowing that that's the right thing for you mm. is something that I've learned through mm. all of this. I think that's really great in terms of your reflection um, because you're someone that's very confident mm. and doesn't come across as somebody who kind of ruminates yeah. and, and worries. You don't come across like that. Yeah. But so it just kind of goes to show that everybody gets oh, yeah. hit Absolutely. by that type of kind of worry, I guess, yeah. when you're making big decisions yeah. and all the what ifs and all kind yeah. of thinking through all the options and how that, that can really, I guess, permeate into Absolutely your life every day, yeah. all day, every day. And yeah. that's really, really tough to switch off at times, especially at exactly. stressful times. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It is hard to switch off. Um, and it is um, – the funny thing about being confident is um, – and this is something I feel like I've learned is that <laughs> I can meet the most confident people and they have all these doubts and that yeah. makes me feel really – really good because you know I, I'm the same I think yeah sometimes I'm really confident but I have sometimes these doubts and I think you just stamp them out as you go along that's it yeah and there's a real I think joy and um value in sharing your doubts Absolutely. you know a lot of people yeah. kind of want to be that iron face yeah. and put on a brave face and not show anyone their weaknesses yeah. but 
sharing yeah. that can really help with other people yeah. in terms of their journey, I think, as well. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think that's um, also with this mental health movement that it's we're talking about being stressed and we're talking that it's okay to not feel okay and mm. all those sort of things. And when you hear somebody else say, yeah, like I was, you know, really stressed and, you know, at the point of breaking and then I took a, like, I took a break from work and I stepped back and now I feel a lot better. And when I hear those uh, stories, uh, that fills me with confidence because I think, yeah, I'm not alone. That's, that's how I feel. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So, Phoebe, when's a time that you've pushed yourself out of your comfort zone? Well, I'll answer that with something unlaw-related, and okay. that might—that'll be probably when I um, decided to run a marathon along the Great Wall of China last year. Whoa! <laughs> and um, I was saying for years that I was going to do it, and I hadn't done it. And then I just booked the tickets um, to China and booked yeah. the marathon and trained for it and, and went there all by myself and wow. got on the plane and got off in um, Beijing. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, and gosh. I didn't know who I was meant to be seeing. Oh, my gosh. I got into the car and I thought, oh, God, this is how I'm going to die because, <laughs> <laughs> because there's no one around me and I'm in the totally. airport. So um, I think that was a time where I um, – push myself out of a comfort zone and um, personally as well. And that really, I think, um, developed my confidence. And I met all these um, amazing people from all around the world who yeah. were just as crazy as me. And I really enjoyed listening to their stories about why they did this marathon. And, mm. um, you know, a lot of them had done it to prove something to themselves that they could you know, it's one of it, it's called the world's hardest marathon. And it really was the, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And the wall, the Great Wall of China, um, is it's up and down. It's not totally. flat. The stair, the steps are um, huge and small, and it's uneven. And yeah, and it was you know forty degrees, humidity at ninety seven percent. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah, it was. Um, it was a good time though. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Good on you. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it was very good. And so, what do you think you learned from that experience? Um, I. Well, I think I learned that when if you want to do something, um, book it. Just go ahead and um, and do it. You know, a lot of people talk about I want to do this, I want to do that. Well, book the plane tickets because the minute I booked the I booked the race first, and I thought, well, obviously now I have to book the plane tickets, right? And I have to get leave. You're gonna run there, and I'm gonna run there, and I've got to do all these things. So I think what I learned is when you want to do something, set the wheels in motion and. Um, booking things and um, actually do the, the steps, the pre-steps to what you want to do. You know, you don't just run a marathon in China. You have to book the tickets and train for it and all these other steps. And um, I think I just learned that you've, you've got to do it. Otherwise, I would have kept making excuses of, oh, I'll do it next year. Oh, I've missed the time. I'll do it next year. And that's what I'd done previously. But when I just said, okay, this is what's happening. Be bold, yeah, execute. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Amazing. Yeah. What an amazing story. I'd love to see photos of that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll share some with you. Yeah, great. It was the best. Have you ever felt discriminated against yeah. on the basis of gender yeah. during your path to becoming a lawyer? Yes. Okay. Would you like to explain? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started um, my career doing a mix of family law and um, commercial law. Sure. And when I was doing family law, um, I acted for um, sort of a number of wealthy businessmen and um, and women and etc. And I remember one particular client, he was a very, very wealthy um, businessman. Mm. And um, it was a very uh, acrimonious split. Um, and he essentially just wanted to get her back and um, make her pay and um, I don't care what it's going to cost me, I just want her to suffer, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. And so, you know, of course I'm explaining, well, that's not what this process is for, obviously. Um, we want to resolve everything as quick as possible, etc. Um, and so I was acting for him and it was complex property structures, there was right. a lot of trust, there was... Um, yeah, property all over Australia. There were um, a number of companies that were, um, and then there were a number of trusts set up to siphon the money and etc. Mm. Anyway, um, and uh, so I was acting for him, and he was so demanding, and he would um, call me like an hour every day, and I'd go sort of around circles, and there was oh, children's issues as well, and um, the wife had sort of taken the 
uh, taken the kids and got an intervention order against him right. saying that he was abusive and blah, blah, blah. And he, you know, my instructions for him was that that was absolutely not the case and, um, you know, to fight this. And, and uh, you know, from his point of view, I can understand, of course, if if that's true that there's no um, – if she's just doing it as, as a tactic, which which some people do, then to not see your kids is, is pretty heart-wrenching. Totally. So I can understand why he, he was um, perhaps the way he was. But – um, I remember um, he always wanted to speak to the partner that I was, you know, working sure. working with, of course. Mm. And he said to the partner one time, "Oh, I don't, you know, I don't want Phoebe to, or I worry about Phoebe um, representing me because she's a young female, and I think that this case needs like a strong man, blah blah blah." And the partner was a, a strong man, I and see. you know, mm. to the partner's credit, he said, "Well, you know, Phoebe's more than capable. She'll, she's." you know, good on the financials, she, she understands the matter, et cetera, um, you know, and you should, you know, it, it'll all be okay. But I think, um, and so I kept acting for him, but I really think at that point the partner should have perhaps said, um, all right, well, if that's how you feel, like we don't kind of condone those views and feeds capable, but I will take the file off you. So um, I kept have, having to act with him, knowing that he sort of – he obviously didn't really respect what I was telling him or the advice I was giving him, and he just thought because I was um, a young woman, I couldn't understand um, what he was going through or, or I didn't understand how um, to play tactics. Like, he really just wanted someone who was going to play games back with, mm. with her. And, you know, and I kept saying to him, you're not going to thank me um, when I send you big bills because we've been playing games and that's not going to get you your kids back either. No. Like, you know, playing all these games and... Lose-lose. Yeah, and I and he just sort of, I think he just didn't want practical advice. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'd um, never, you know, previously come across somebody who didn't want me to represent them because I was a woman. Um, and I think there still is, to this day, this idea of um, I want a man to represent me because they're going to be strong and they're going to um, not bend and et cetera. But, the, you know, the, I just think that's rubbish. Like, obviously women are just as good as men, if not better on some occasions in uh, acting for people. So, yeah. Yeah. It was annoying. Yeah, that mm. sounds really frustrating. It was really frustrating. <laughs> and I was just quite frustrated at the whole... Um, you know, then there's no um, – I really felt like I couldn't get out of that situation because, he, you know, he obviously didn't want me to act because I was a woman. The partner was trying to instill, you know, him with confidence that I could do it. And, and we were I was running it perfectly, but he just thought there wasn't enough games playing. And, I, you know, I'm not going to play – I'd never – I'm not never going to be a lawyer that um, plays ridiculous games because mm-hmm. at the end of the day you won't get the result, but – they need anyway. Yeah, and it, and it's against ethics. Absolutely, yeah, and it goes against my morals and um, to you know to, to be a lawyer. That's just not yeah. I mean I mean I know there's some people that do it, but I just it's not for me. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. And a more contentious question on the follow up to that. You mentioned that you're interested in becoming partner. Yeah, and how how do you how do you feel about being a woman yeah. and trying to get to that goal? Well, um. I I think times are changing and I do think it's easier for women now to be a partner than what it was 40 years ago or, or so. Um, I think what the difficulty is is that um, to go and have kids and then come back. And, um, you know, when, you, when you're aiming for partner, it's because you've worked X amount of years, you know, you're building up your client base, you're bringing in revenue of over a million or whatever the, the quota is, sure. et cetera. And then you go off have kids, and you might lose some clients, or you know someone else takes those files over. They get new clients, etc. So, um, I think it's. Um, I don't think there's enough uh, kind of um, consideration for that for, for women still in the in the um, profession. That uh, you know we our trajectory isn't the same as as men who can just pump out ten years of you know full work, hardcore work, and um, you know, and, and balance that with family life. It's yeah. quite difficult. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, I think there's still uh, problems for women and particularly the gender pay gap. Um, totally. But I do think that there's some really great work that's being done in this space, um, particularly Justice Maxwell, the um, president of the Court of Appeal, is a real advocate of the male champions of change, sure. which um, encourage male um, males 
in the profession, whether they're partners or um, judges or whoever they may be, to acknowledge that there is this problem and then to collectively work together to stamp out um, gender inequality. So I think times are changing. I think it's still a really slow process and I don't yeah. think well, – we're obviously not there yet, but um, – yeah, I, I hope to see some further change, um, you know, and to get great people like Justice Maxwell who's recognising this as a problem. And one of, his, one of the things he uh, really wants to do is to have firms publish their wages so mm. that there's transparency in what men are receiving and what women are receiving so that... Good luck. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I think it's... I, I don't Very think, contentious. I don't think that'll happen because of privacy and people... Some people just don't want their wage published, but... Uh, it'd be interesting to see um, if that affects gender inequality once, if wages are published, so that you know, well, why am I getting, you know, 100 grand less than a male partner where we're doing this same work, you know, mm. equal pay, equal work. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Next question. How do you balance work and self-care? You've touched on this a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think it's about setting boundaries for yourself. Um, and, yeah, we spoke about um, there's this um, idea that when you're a lawyer, you know, you, you say to your friends, oh, I was working till 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock, and you might, that might make you feel, like, really important that you're working long hours. But I think it's about being productive in the working hours um, setting limits for yourself as to what you, you can do and what you can't do. Obviously, if work needs to be done, it needs to be done, but there's so many other ways of dealing with that, um, you know, asking for additional help or um, working out, uh, prioritising what needs to happen first and then setting a limit for yourself. You know, if I've um, got a, an event that I want to go to with the Lawrence Institute of Victoria or whatever it may be or the um, Victorian Women Lawyers, then I'll go to that. Um, it, I might have to come back or I might have to do some additional work. But um, I think it's um, important to not give up those sort of things for work all, all the time. I mean, sometimes if there's a, a trial or something big that's running, you may have to. But, um, yeah, for me it's really about setting boundaries. Mm. Great. Phoebe, how do you handle feedback? Um, well, I – positive feedback or negative feedback or any feedback? Let's just say any. Any feedback. So it, maybe – I think most people struggle more with critical feedback. Yeah. It's okay. easy to take positive feedback. That's right. So maybe more critical feedback. Um, well, I, I think I've been lucky that I've, I've never had – um, you know, someone who's been really rude to me and, um, you know, and called me an idiot and said that this is wrong or, you know, so I've never, I haven't had a bad experience with having negative feedback. It's usually been quite constructive and it's, um, usually helped me to become a better lawyer. So I think, um, whenever I've been given feedback, I genuinely take it on board and, um, you know, I don't, in, in my view and the people that have mentored me and who I've worked for, they've only given feedback where um, it's designed to help me. And, you know, they, they wouldn't give negative feedback if they just wanted to be awful to me. And I know some people have had those experiences where um, perhaps a partner wants to shut you down and, um, and, and to crush your confidence. Um, but, yeah, for me it's all been – even negative feedback has been positive because it's made me better at what I do. Mm. Um I think sometimes it can be different or difficult with um, different partners giving you critical feedback because yes. their critical feedback is often in contradiction with each other. So, yes. you know, you write, <laughs> you write a letter yeah. for, um, for one partner and they change it because it's their style that they like. So then you get used to that and then you write a letter for another partner who that's all wrong because they've got a different style. So mm. managing that feedback is more difficult because it's really just managing egos in a sense and and personalities um right. you know and then I guess you know if you're writing now I know that you know that particular partner likes this style I'll do it in that style but um yeah and I think when you as you go through your career you develop your own style anyway and then it becomes um more you have the liberty to to dictate what you write so in those circumstances where you get that kind of feedback for example say it's 
in a situation where it's more of a stylistic thing rather than a fact-based piece of feedback. Yeah. So it's more stylistic. You might not necessarily agree with it or it might be a function of the fact that you were originally doing work for someone else and therefore you've tailored your work uh, to a different style. Yeah. How do you manage that in the room? What are the types of things that you say back to the person if they say to you, hey, Phoebe, the way you've written this letter, it's not up to scratch. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of go, oh, but I've, you know, factually it's it's yeah, all there. Yeah. But they're still wanting you to amend it and they're giving yeah. you this feedback. What is your approach? How do you, mm. how do you respond to that? Mm. A lot of people find that really difficult. And it is. And I don't think there's a... Um, an easy way to deal with that. And I've certainly copped that numerous times mm. where the law is correct and what I've said is correct, but um, for whatever reason, the partner wants it in a different way or he wants certain paragraphs first and, you know... That different font, different he headers, it, yeah, whatever yeah, it yeah. is. Or complaining about, you know, the spacing or... Which, you know, all, all valid, but it's really nitpicky and really um, frustrating. And I suppose... Um, the way I've handled it is just to say, okay, yep, I'll just do it again and just do it. And that's all I think you can do um, because I don't think it pays you to um, kind of get your back out and say, well, you know, but I've done it like this. Why Why are you um, being so critical of me, etc." I think all you can really do, as frustrating as it is, is just to say, okay, well, I'll just have to do it again and what, how do you want me to do it and get – perhaps more clarity about what they want so that it's not going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Mm. I mean, the other difficulty is, you know, particularly when you're starting out, I remember in my first couple of years, I'd write a letter, um, it would take five days or two weeks for the partner to even look at it. Yeah. The client would be asking me, where is it? And I'd have to explain, well, it's, it's drafted, we're getting it there, you know, um, taking the brunt of the client, getting annoyed that it's not done. The partner would finally look at it, change everything, you know, because they want paragraphs everywhere, etc. I'd redraft it. Again, it would be two weeks until they look at my redrafted version. So I know the feel. <sighs> and, and I think it's almost um, – I don't think there's anything you can do about it. Mm. I think it's just a matter of you just have to bear it. And your emotional process, what, you know, do you just kind of let it slide? Like I find yeah. that's something that I'm working on at the moment. Yeah. And I had a big chat with a friend of mine recently about yeah. it is, you know, he's kind of said to me, as soon as you walk out that door, yeah. you've got to let everything go. Exactly. And if you get any feedback during the day and it makes you frustrated, you've just got to let it yeah. slide off your back. Yeah. But that's such a hard practice. Yeah. Especially if you're the kind of person that has a natural sense of justice. Yeah. I think it's really difficult to kind of go, okay, I just spent two hours on that, but I will redo it. Exactly. That's, yeah. It's really tough. It is really tough. And it um, it's tough for a number of reasons. And one of those being in knocks your confidence. You think, oh, mm. well, gosh, I, I, I write this letter and it comes back bleeding with red pen because they've changed everything or, um, yeah. you know, and I don't. To me, it's sort of I haven't got the law wrong. Like I'm not saying uh, you, you know this is X when it should be Y. It's really they want me to talk about this first in this paragraph, and and I guess um, yeah, it, it 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 shapes you and you learn from it. Um, but yeah, it's very difficult. Mm. It's just a pain. I think the thing is as well is not to take it personally because it's yeah. often not about you. Yeah. Yeah, it's about them exactly. and what they want. And they're yeah. not necessarily looking at you and going, oh, yes. my gosh, you're so incompetent. Exactly. It's just, oh, this isn't quite what I want. I need yeah. you to fix it so I get yeah. what I want. Yeah. So it's very much about the I yeah. uh, in that situation. I think yeah. it's good to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's and a good point. the other thing as well is you've got to think more broadly. I think that, you know, when you're starting off in your career, you tend to think about oh my gosh, I've put all this effort into this thing and it hasn't hit the mark um, and this is so frustrating and I feel like this is so unfair and I want to say something about it. But I think that, you know, one of the things that I've been practicing is you need to refrain from saying anything because long-term you're going to get so much feedback exactly. and you can't fight back yes. at every single thing that yeah. you get or yeah. else you're not going to have a very long career. Yeah. And you just got to learn to accept it, keep on moving. I, absolutely, absolutely. You can't fight back. That's That's... A really important message because um, also though I mean just for your own personal health if you get frustrated every single time and if it affects you every single time you're not going to last long because you're going to be so angry about all of it or um, upset or whatever the emotion is um, that it's far better to say okay um, 
you know, this is just what it is. I'm just going to have to do it back. And, and I think the other main point to remember is it's not forever. Like once you are a couple of years out, um, you get a lot more, you, you learn so much. And I look back on when I was my first year out and, mm. you know, I didn't really know that much, you know, because you haven't practiced before. Um, and if I look at my drafting from in my first year, you know, it, it's obviously a million times better today than what it was. And it'll only ever keep getting better. Of course. And I think it's because of all that feedback and, mm. and, um, and learning different styles, because sometimes with, with a particular client, it might pay you to, um, phrase things in a certain way. So yeah, I think it, it can only ever help you. Mm. Yeah. Great. Okay. How do you manage up? Well, I'm, I've just got to think back because I yeah. do. I'm quite autonomous at the moment, um, but previously, particularly when I started working with the partner that I'm working for now, it's just about communication. Um, e- even now, we would chat multiple times a day. I would mm. go into his office; he, he'll come to my desk, and we'll discuss what's happening with these matters. And it might even be at the start of the day. I'll go in. I'll be like, "All right, so quick, quick um, summary of what what's happening, what I'm doing." blah, 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 um, on this matter, I'm going to do this. Um, on this matter, I think we've got a problem because of blah, so what do you think we do this? Or I might call the barrister and just check that we can um, make a conference next week or whatever the case may be. So I think it's more just communication and that's um, really the only way that I've been doing it. Or And also um, a shared calendar is really handy. Mm. So I can see the partner's calendar in my calendar and Anything I do, I um, invite, I send him in a meeting request as well. So that's in his calendar. So he, so, knows. so he knows where I am and I know where he is. And even things like lunch, like, it, you know, whatever time, say, all right, I'm just going to get get lunch and I'll check in with him saying I'm going to do this, et cetera. So um, likewise with our team, um, if there's a, a junior under us um, who wants to do something, they'll they'll tell us, like, I'm going to go for a coffee at 10 or whatever the case may be. So just really open communication. Um, and I'm lucky that... Uh, you know, if I said I'm going to go for a coffee at 10 or, you know, it's BD at 11 or whatever mm. the case may be. BD meaning business development. Business development. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm never questioned about that. It's, yep, great. Okay, see you in a, yep, see you later sort of a thing. Yeah, so, wonderful. Yeah. A lot of trust there. A lot of trust, yeah. Mm. And, and, and which is good because, of course, um, you know, I'm not going to go shopping for an hour instead of doing what I said I'm going to do. So, mm. yeah. Mm, wonderful. What does your professional personality look like? Mm-hmm. And does it differ um, in terms of you casually, Phoebe casually, yeah. and Phoebe? I, um, I've been told that um, I'm very polite <laughs> <laughs> professionally, um, but I like to think I'm polite in my personal life as well. Burns, who said that? Yeah, I know. Um, how does it differ? Yeah, I think I'm just a lot, perhaps more polite, and um, and I think you pick up phrases, you know, terms of terms of phrases when. You get through your career. Um, sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of one that I use. You know, my apologies. I would have never said my apologies in, in um, my personal personal life. I would just say, oh, sorry. Yeah, so, so's bra. So's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in, um, at work, it's, oh, my apologies. I'm so I'm most grateful for your time, blah, mm. blah, blah. So um, I think, yeah, my personality is – I'd like to – Maybe formal. A bit more formal. Yeah, a bit more formal um, and uh, – yeah, more, um, I guess, more problem-solving as well. Where mm. When someone's telling me something in my professional um, life, it's sort of, okay, well, what's what are you telling me and what's the outcome and are you asking me to solve a problem or is it, you know, are you just telling me a bit of information? Whereas, obviously, in my personal life, it, what people will tell me things and, um, you know, well, am I meant to do anything with that? Like, you know, right. so it's a lot, yeah, it's just more measured, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Great. But I think that from knowing you that you seem to be quite consistent across yeah. the board. You're still very bubbly. Yeah. You're still very inquisitive. You care yeah. about people. Yeah. That yeah. kind of holds true. Yeah. I think I'm much the same in both realms um, because also I think it'd be exhausting if you had two different personalities anyway. Yeah, you know, totally. Where, wherever you are. So, yeah. Mm. So, Phoebe, what would you say to any up-and-comers in your field? You said a lot already for young lawyers. Yep. Um what would I tell people who are doing, wanting to do workplace or particularly or just young lawyers in general? Mm, difficult. Um, I think if someone was wanting to do workplace in particular, I would tell them to do some further study, um, to do your master's and pick the employment subjects only because 
for me, I just found um, learning things like discrimination in depth in a really intense environment made me um, better at, at advising clients mm. with discrimination. Um, you know, practical work, and I think I've probably touched on this before, but in your practical um, learning when you're on the job, obviously you pick up a lot, but it's that theory that I think really makes you understand why the law is. Um, you know, like all our awards, mm. um, pre-2010 there were 150 or 200 awards. And now Industry we've, awards. Industry yeah. awards, and now we've consolidated that. And um, learn, understanding why that is and understanding the political background behind sure, all of sure. that as well is, is really important. So um, if you're wanting a career in workplace, then I would suggest um, study, 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 Read, read, read. It's probably every area is the same, but um, I think that makes you um, better. And one thing which um, I think is so important is to read the paper. And for years when I was mm. a young lawyer, everyone would always tell me, read the paper. And I'd say, well, you know, I don't really have time. But now I make a, a conscious effort on Saturday and Sunday. I walk down to the um, local cafe with my dog and I get a coffee and I read the paper. Amazing. Back to front. And it just helps you in everyday life. Um it, for the rest of the week, people will talk about things that are happening in the news and I'll be able to join in conversations and particularly clients, they always want to talk about um, what's happening and that's the common ground as well that you can develop a relationship with your clients by talking about things that are in the news. So sure. reading the paper is so important. Mm, mm. Yeah. Or if you're really lazy like me, you can listen to apps like yeah, I'm really, yeah. I, I love podcasts. Yeah. So I listen to, you know, AM, ABC, AM radio yeah. or PM radio or hack on yeah, TV J because it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love a bit one. of Tom Tilly. I think podcasts can yeah. be super, super handy. Yeah, or ABC News 24 do like a quick wrap-up online yeah, on YouTube. Perfect. Exactly. You can kind of get across the news that way if Absolutely. you're really strapped for time or if you're not super into sitting down and reading the financial review. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> or yeah. follow them on Facebook. Yeah, If you want right. to, if you, you know, if you're interested yep. in financial review, you can follow them on Facebook yeah. and you can read their articles on that's Facebook. That's often, yeah, that's a really good tip because they often just post the headlines as well and you mm. can understand what's kind of going on just by reading a couple of sentences. So, super, super yeah. handy. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So what's your approach to networking? Uh, say yes to everything. If someone yeah. invites you to something, um, go and do it. Uh, sometimes you might not even think it's relevant, but I've been to so many things um, that haven't been relevant um, mm. particularly to me, but it's become relevant. So, mm. um, for example, Foley's list have, Crim law drinks and then personal injury law drinks, etc. Mm. I'm workplace relations, so that doesn't impact me at all. But by going, then I meet um, barristers who know other people who are in my um, practice area, uh, or other they know other barristers who um, specialise in in an area that I'm looking for a barrister in. So it's just I think um, going to everything uh, is really important. Saying yes. Saying yes. Great. Okay. What do you find difficult in your working life? Um, well, that probably flows on from the last answer I gave, which was saying yes. I think it yes. um, can be difficult to manage everything. Yep. And sometimes you do get exhausted, you know, um, it, waking up early and working late and going to everything and um, and then fitting in family and everything else. So um, I think uh, work-life balance is difficult, but it's manageable. And um, I think that's a really important message that people should know that it is manageable. Mm -hmm. And in a practical sense, how do you keep on top of it? Are you a calendar person? Yeah, I'm a diary person. person. Um, I am sometimes uh, what I find really useful, I have a, um, a diary, in, a little diary that I carry with me, but it's got, you know, a section where it's all blank. And if I'm really overwhelmed with a lot of thoughts, I'll just write all my thoughts down mm. on, a, on a piece of paper and just having them kind of outside of my brain but still listed somewhere um, uh, kind of gives me more room to think about new issues. So, um, Park it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of it's like a mental, um, this is an issue that I'm thinking about. I don't want to forget it, um, so I'll write it down, but then I can think about something else because I know I'm not going to miss it again so yeah I think um calendars diaries um even talking to people so um if um I've got things to do um I'll like I'll say to a friend I've got to do x y and z and then they might 
talk to me the next day saying, oh, did you do X, Y, Z? And then I'm like, yeah, I need it. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I need to do that. Keeping you accountable. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah just um, being organized. Yeah. Yeah, which Wonderful. is, yeah, just the answer, I think. Yep, yeah. Okay. For our final signature question. Okay. What advice would you give any young female entering professional life? So not in the law, broadly yeah. across the board. Mm-hmm. What would it be? Um, I think it would be to know your value, to know that you are um, you are good at what you do and um, no one can take that away from you and to um, throw yourself into every opportunity and do it wholeheartedly. Don't, um, don't half commit. There's no mm. half commits. It's full or nothing and... Um, People always tell me, Phoebe, you're so all or nothing. And yeah. I think that's that's how I want to live my life. I don't want to um, – and that's something that I haven't always been. I've sort of been – growing up, I was a little bit more cautious of, um, oh, you know, no, I couldn't – I don't think I could really do that. Like, I wouldn't be very good at that. Um, but I think just try everything, do everything. Um, whatever profession you have, make sure you're involved in a lot of things outside that as well because it's so incredible how those things that are outside your profession open doors within your profession. So, um, you know, if you're an accountant, um, get really involved with, I don't know, surf life saving and mm. then you'll have something else in your in your life mm. or it might, you know, it might be volunteer for the SES um, if you're in banking. I, I don't know, but it's really important to... Um, be confident in your own skill set. Know, know your value and know that you're good at what you do and um, to have something else in your life. And, and that, I think, is across the board, whatever profession you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. Well, Phoebe, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Really, it's been a pleasure. It's been wonderful listening to all your insights. Really appreciate your time and hopefully, you know, some people will get some great morsels from what yeah, you said. I so. hope so. And um, if anybody wants to follow us. Yes, on, plugs. Yeah, plug. So um, Claire Walzak and myself are uh, – Claire's on the board of Wattle, which is the Wellbeing and the Law Foundation, and we have an Instagram account called The Balanced Lawyer, mm. which shares tips about work-life balance every day. Um, and we hope that that can be a bit of motivation for people. We're reaching out to other companies, doing some cross-promotion. I um, saw that. Yeah, so we're um, – and we're, we're writing some articles in the journal as well. Yeah. So um, we're hoping to get it bigger, but it's really for this time um, just about motivating um, people to get out there and, um, you know, uh, know how wonderful they are. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful, and it makes me very hungry. We Lots do. of good food on there Lots and drinks. Yeah. So yeah. nice. Yeah. That's Love it. Our life. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Thanks, Phoebe. Steph, you're great. great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Woman of Now, presented by Navigator Australia. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, subscribe, rate, and review the show. It helps other people find our podcast. You can follow Navigator on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Or you can check us out online at www.navigator-australia.com. The Woman of Now podcast and Navigator currently comes to you completely free of charge and is produced through my own personal time and funds. If you would like to sponsor or partner with this podcast and Navigator, please contact us on our website. See you next month with another amazing Woman of Now podcast. Bye for now.